Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the AEW Rampage Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dudley Boys, Michael Sidgwick from What Culture, to review anything that happened on Friday night's episode of AEW Rampage. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review, but also AW Dynamite, Raw, SmackDown, the show formerly known as NXT 2.0. Oh! Pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Michael Sidgwick to review... And a very, uh, I was going to say controversial, much discussed episode of Rampage this was over social media this weekend. I want to get it out of the way so we don't have to dwell on it. I don't care what idiots think of women leaving. <laughs> just simply don't care. It's a complete non-issue. Went into Twitter Saturday morning. Just thought, um, just don't care. I just do not care. It is simply in so bad faith and it is so misogynistic that it does not warrant me talking about it. And again, I think I've used this analogy before. It probably bears repeating. When I read The Observer... And Power Slam magazine and other actual reputable um, <laughs> publications um, in my youth, they never um, wrapped or based their takes around what 78 idiots <laughs> would might have thought about it in wrote in or spoke about these matches in relation to what idiots think about it. And I think it's a uh, indictment of modern media and people on Twitter that we continue to do this. So I'm not going to do it. They're idiots. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, we'll talk about the match, obviously, in due course. But let's start at the beginning of Rampage, which opened with the TNT Championship match. Darby Allen versus Juice Robinson. Um, I quite For a match that I knew the exact result, like you said on the preview, there was no chance that... Juice Robinson, as much as he is a great talent, was coming in on a couple of days' notice, an announcement on Dynamite, very sort of casual, and taking this title off Darby Allen. I still had a great time here because this was a, a good, hard-hitting affair, I think it's fair to say. Then again, Darby Allen just often puts his body on the line whenever. I didn't like it very much. Not a fan. <sighs> Let's dive into it. Yeah. Um, Darby Allen takes control early. 
and then Juice Robinson back drops him to the floor, chucks him into the railing and sends him chest first into the steps before posing for the crowd as we go to our first break. When we come back, uh, Dobby Allen makes a comeback. Shotgun drop kick, that crazy low pay to the floor. Um, goes for the coffin drop, but uh, just gets nailed. Uh, Juice Robinson just na- punches him as he's coming off the top uh, and uh, hits him with some standing sentons. Uh, Darby Allen goes for a crucifix pin, but uh, Robinson hold- holds on, goes up, and hits him with the juice box for a near fall. Goes for a corner cannonball, but misses. Darby Allen hits a code red, goes for the coffin drop, but gets cut off and gets his head taken off from a lariat whilst he's balancing on the top rope. Uh, well, cock. his cock's on the top rope. I don't, when I say balancing on the top rope, that implies feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, all my bloody balls. I'm splitting difference. Uh, <laughs> gets hit with a jackhammer for a near fall. Goes for a superplex, just Juice Robinson, but Darby Allen counters for a sort of top rope scorpion death drop, which looked, which looked awesome. Uh, and the coffin drop for the one, two, three. Post-match, down to the ring comes Sting for a split second, a very split second. I went, is he going to attack him here? Because I was like, why is he suddenly storming down? And then I remembered it was, of course, to A, celebrate with his... Protégé, I suppose, uh, and so they can plug the match with the Great Muda um, going on this week in Japan, I believe. It's the 23rd, I think. I'm not entirely sure. I didn't really think this was all that, if I'm being honest. And again, I have concerns about Juice Robinson in AEW, whether he's a necessary addition, whether he's ever going to recapture his form that he displayed in 2018. The jackhammer looked terrible. Mm. His jackhammer looked iffy in the extreme. I thought is it looked improvised and not in a good way. Yes, uh, that's a good take. Just call me butter, baby. <laughs> yeah, just I thought it looked weak, and I didn't. And that was an extension of a theme or a story that I didn't really buy. They were trying to get over that Juice Robinson's deceptively large in and of himself, and certainly is a lot larger than Darby. Mm. So he was sort of trying to muscle him about. Um, he did like various standing sentons to get over the fact that, you know, he's bigger than you think. And all I could think when Jim Ross was telling me that was, really? <laughs> so I don't think he is. I'll, do I take your word for it? I don't know. He's bigger than Darby, so I'll kind of go with that, I guess. I thought it was kind of just slow. The standing sentence didn't help because I was like, oh, do you know who else does those? Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe, Joe. yes, exactly. (laughs) So I'm thinking that's a horse move. And yes, everyone is a horse compared to Darby Allen. So that should work, but it just wasn't working for me. Um, I thought the jackham looked terrible again. And just throughout, it just didn't feel dynamic. It just felt a bit slow. It felt a bit basic it felt like oh you're doing the right things in the right or op- mm. in the right order but i don't think this is remarkable or compelling in any way and i don't know i just don't get juice robinson in this sort of situational heel rule i guess he's been a bit fluid on the few occasions we've seen him in AEW because he's worked john moxley and now he's worked darby allen against two baby faces and i guess his motivation is i just want to win championships and that's fine you need this sort of thing every now and then but if he's not playing that 80s throwback babyface with all the fire and the really cool promos and that really heartfelt vibe that he used to carry mm. as the guy in New Japan who was like, clearly I'm not as good as everyone who trained in the dojo, but I'm going to fight harder than them and I'm never going to give up. But it was quite a cool little bit, even if it did verge on cosplay of what an 80s babyface used to embody. Without that, 
I'm not into whatever he is that he's doing. He just doesn't stand out. I don't think he's so good at anything. The, why Juice Robinson worked so well in 2018, not only did he have this character down perfectly, and it was he brought back something that had been missing with these promos and this fire and a great working punch. He stumbled upon, why did all of this go away? Don't know. Why hasn't it been brought back yet? Don't know. Let's do all of these things. And he got over. The market of all of this has been cornered by AEW as a whole. Yeah. Unscripted promos are the norm now, thank God, after much of the 21st century. So Juice Robinson is no longer the best babyface promo in wrestling. And the work and punch, it's not as important as a promo, so that doesn't really get him that yeah. much over. Um, and... Just not just the babyface promos, but the babyface performance and the spirit and that sort of the underdog fighting from beneath has been done better by his opponent in this match. And so you couldn't do that against Darby. So what he was doing, I just thought was just there. Mm. He was just doing heel work. That for mm. me was just there, and I didn't understand the appeal. And I worry about Juice Robinson because I think he's becoming completely indistinct and dare I say it a bit bland at this mm. point in AEW. The finish was awesome. The oh. finish was absolutely awesome and perfectly well done. But elsewhere, to borrow a phrase from my esteemed colleague enjoying a well in day off, it was just some wrestling happening in front of me. Yeah, it worked for me, Juice Robinson versus Moxley, because of their history, obviously. I thought that was bland as well, to be but honest. But as, as, a, as a sell as a match, this one already less so, because like you say, all right, I get it, you want to win a title, doesn't everyone? And, you know, I'm not going to do the bad faith take of like, who is this Juice Robinson yeah. guy? He is a known name from New Japan. Um, and we talked about this on the SmackDown review, in fact, that the AEW fans are more clued up than other wrestling fans, and people know who Juice Robinson is, so that's... But... I do think, I'm maybe a hypocrite here, because we sit here all the time and say, you just can just do fixtures sometimes. Juice Robinson, for me, strikes me as someone who needs an element of story. He needs something to defy. Yeah, and my, my concern is here, they'll go, done Moxley, done uh, Derby, right in about a month's time, we'll just do him versus Orange Cassidy, because it's just a... Yeah. And he needs more than that he to definitely does. tell a story. He's, his ring work isn't so fantastic that you can get by doing this yeah. sort of thing. And he needs to find, I don't know, a new motivation. He needs someone to tell him to... He needs a character to hold him down, and he needs to say, fuck off. No, you're not yeah. holding me down and show the fire. Like, it, the Jay White feud works so perfectly because uh, Juice Robinson was a former NXT guy who didn't experience much success over there in NXT, and everyone thought, well, him in New Japan, is that going to work? And Jay White was the hand-picked... Dojo honed, shredded superstar that they had all the plans for. And the character of Juice Robinson tried to defy that and say, Why can't it be me? I'm going to show you that it's actually me. And yeah, he needs something like that in AEW because this is just, it just feels so superfluous already. Uh, another reading. Are you getting a cold? I don't think so. I think I've still got a bit of egg in my throat. I hope lunch. so. Oh, I don't trust anyone. Um,. Powerhouse Hobbs, another reading from the book of Hobbs, tells us about the phoenix that rose from the ashes, and then he broke his neck. Yes, I'm fired up with this. I just love this. Uh, then he said he's going to take those ashes, uh, like his hopes and dreams, and he's going to spread over uh, spread them over everyone he hurts in AEW. I can't wait to see him back in the ring. Do I need a Do I need a book? Like, do I need an actual book here? 
I'm not convinced. I think it's a bit mid-cardy. Yes. The verbiage, the presence, all of this is great. Love Powerhouse Hobbs. Not sure I need an actual shoot prop book to get this over. Yeah. It's a bit... It's mid-card in the extreme, the idea that he has a prop. Mm. Uh, Rene Paquette is out on stage. He does uh, have an actual book, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't like He's it. had it a couple... He's had it for... He certainly had it here, and I've, I've I think fairly certainly had it the other week as yeah, well. Yeah, I do not need no book. I do I, not need I to see it. that. I get it. It's the book of Hobbes. You don't need to go, here's the actual book of Hobbes. Yeah. It's available on AW Shop. The idea is he's written a book, and I'd, I'd, I'd love to read it. It's got an incredibly admirable story, but I don't believe that he's done that. Yeah. I think he's just is training hard to be a killer. And this comes from a man who's, who's written a lot of books. I've written a very good book in my estimation anyway, <laughs> and if you're interested in reading about, see, I love AW, but I don't know what, you know, how did this happen? The market conditions surely prevented such a competitor from emerging. Well, if you want to read all about the formation of, and indeed rise of AEW, and why it was so goddamn great for the first two years of, of its existence, hop onto Amazon, wherever mm. you live, for 120,000 passionate and insightful words all about the formation, and indeed rise of AEW, and it's called Becoming All Elite, The Rise of AEW. I wrote that. It's good. Buy it. Yeah, it's good. Uh, Rene Paquette's on stage. Brings out the acclaimed, second time, uh, from what I've seen on Twitter. <laughs> They're there with Daddy Ass uh, to get their star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. We called this. We called this. We said they were actually going to put their fingers in the Some cement. 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 Um, Max Concrete. Max Caster's rap references. Gavin Newsom scandals. Joe Biden hiding documents, to which Anthony Bones did not look pleased. Uh, and not selling out for blood money. So I wonder what that could be about. Uh, obviously got a huge reaction here. <laughs> just as him, if you've seen on Twitter, going, we're just going to do this again, guys. <laughs> and I did like uh, I said, Daddy Ash, Billy Gunn's comment of, that's uh, why I only say like two words. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Bowens uh, gets on the mic, does his bit, obviously, but also calls uh, AW the mecca of wrestling. Uh, and he gets everyone to hold up their fingers uh, to scissor. And yes, this is where they go to do the, the scissor imprint uh, on the uh, Hollywood Walk of Fame star. But here comes the guns. Yeah. Uh, and they call Los Angeles a bum-ass city. Uh, and Austin says, you're only popular, he acclaimed, because you stole our daddy from us. Uh, and Daddy ass turns to... Well, specifically Anthony Bones says, guys, let's hear them out. They're, they're right. They, they might have a point here. Wink, wink. Uh, and uh, maybe they maybe they should be the ones who put their hands in the cement. And we can all see where this is going. Uh, so they could claim go to do that. They get, I believe the American term is pounced. Pounced. I'd call it getting kegged. Kegged, we call it kegged. Yeah. Because we call underpants kegs. Yeah, kegs. They pull the trousers down. And he got the, he got the, he got the ass. And then One of them's got like a kind of a thong thing. Yeah. And uh, they get shoved ass first into the cement. And uh, and the guns scurry off. A bit broad for me, but it got a pop. So there you go. And I did what like... Do you mind? I don't mind them going back to this feud. As long as it's not going all the way to revolution, yeah. then certainly it's... Look, the guns have beat FTR. And they are sort of... Up there in contention, if you think about it as a credible, logical division. And the chemistry was good. And I'm hoping for a gimmick, 
attraction. One, because I've just watched them do a dumpster match, and I thought it was good, not great. I think an actual doubles match with no stip will be worse than that. And the FTR, if they're not going to have like this really great breakthrough performance with FTR trying to haul them over the line with all the will in the world, I prefer the acclaimed as an all-round act, but they're not as good as FTR on the ring. So as long as there's some smoke and mirrors and stupid fun involved, I will take this all day. Yeah. Um, on I, telly. Yes. Yeah, I wouldn't put it on the paper either. But as an interim thing before March 5th, I want to say. 5th or 6th. 5th or 6th. Um, good stuff. Uh, right, Renee Paquette is backstage with Mogul Affiliates, Swerve and his boys. Uh, they say in 2023 they're going to be the most violent group ever to come to AEW. And they're hanging out with uh, P. Diddy's sons, King and Quincy Coons. For as brief as this was, I liked it. And whenever Swerve Strickland, who was in that legit underground match and conveys such a menacing presence, when he promises violence, I really believe it. So this was good. I still can't take my eyes off that lad who's got all the... Yeah, he looks like bad news, don't he? He looks like a bad, bad person. You might be, like, lovely. Yeah. And I'm not, I shouldn't judge people on tattoos, but the idea is the wrestling character is very menacing. And, yeah, he looks like bad news. Yeah, I was going to say, do whatever you want. It's your body at the end of the not day. not Mary Whitehouse. <laughs> but... Like, I'm I, not going to faint when I see someone with tattoos. But this guy, this one guy with tattoos looks a little bit like he's bad news. Yeah, I was walking around Ikea yesterday, and there was a bloke in there with a lot of face tattoos, and I thought, what's going on here? You're, you, not, you're not just here for the meatballs. Did you ever not? get a face tattoo? Never. They're more? Did you ever get a tat? Have you got tats or no? Oh, no. Oh, oh no, you have told me about this before. Yeah. yeah. Got a little... Swallowed, remind me that my fight or flight response is absolutely terrible. <laughs> and to just be less of a, you know, just to be a bit more bold, shall we say. I don't think I could ever settle on a tattoo that I that is like, that's me now. If I had the chance, click on the fingers, get rid of your tattoo, I'd get rid of it. <laughs> but it's inoffensive enough. I have got no issue with it. Um, but even if I could settle on something like... The I forget that it's there all the time. <laughs> the, you know, the, I'd probably go, probably, push comes to shove, the Steve-O, my own face on my own back with my thumbs up, saying, yeah, dude, I rock. Yeah, um, you would, I. But even if I could settle on something like that, I'm such a wuss. Like I've, I enjoyed it, you know. Really? Yeah, I quite enjoyed it. See, I think all I've heard about it is like, it's a expensive, long, and painful procedure, and I'll, I'll stop you right there. It's not painful, I don't think. It feels like, I'd not, I really quite enjoyed it. I'd be that lad who, like, trends on social media because he, like, passed out. The first they, put the, they put the needle near, oh, the needle's near yeah. me. Bzz. I can understand why people get one after they've carefully considered the design and gone to the right artist and just decide to put every, like, thought in place to do it. And then as soon as they're done, the next one doesn't come with anywhere near as much thought. They'll go, Jesus Christ, I want another one. So it was weirdly addictive. I was yeah. like, I like the look of it. I've quite enjoyed the feeling, the sensation. The first thing I wanted to do was do it again. Wow. I was a student at the time. So I was like, ah, <laughs> this is expensive enough to begin with, so I'm not doing it. And this. then there's beer here. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Have to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Right, uh, then it was time for the uh, Can They Coexist tag team match. Eddie Kingston and, as he was announced, I'm going to do this properly, Ortiz. Did one of the commentators say, come on? Yeah. Yeah. I'm fairly certain I think it was, was it Jericho? <laughs> I did notice that, though. All right, mate. Uh, and they were taking on, of course, uh, the kings of the Black Throne, Malachi Black and Brody King of the Hezublig. Um And, yeah, from the moment they walked out, you were like, well, this isn't a cohesive team, is it? Ortiz and Kingston obviously has been settled for a long while here. Uh, they can't even decide who's starting the tag match. I'll just have a quick chat before you walk out there. Uh, Ortiz charged up Brody King, though, and makes the decision for Eddie Kingston. Um, and King lays him out because look at him. Um, Ortiz uses his speed, though, to overcome the, the size disadvantage. Um, and then he gets tackled into the corner. And there's a sort of a reluctant, all right, in you come. Uh, tag. He gets in there with uh, Malachi Black, goes to the back, spinning back fist. Uh, Malachi Black goes to the uh, black mask. Both of them miss, uh, and they do that sit-down, stare-down moment. Lovely touch between the two of them. Um, during the commercials, um, Kingston Black throwing takeover. It's proper brawly. Uh, Kingston hits an STO. Um, Brody King attacks Kingston, and Black hits a huge corner moonsault to the floor uh, to take out Ortiz. Um Kingston just gets isolated. Ortiz keeps trying to come in to break it up, uh, but that basically only allows um, a double team because the officials make sure Ortiz isn't in the match anymore. Um, real brutal-looking... It's Brody King, so everything does look Yeah, Brutal-looking corner cannonball here to Eddie Kingston. But Kingston fires back up. No cells are Larry. It's an integer in a half-and-half half suplex. Uh, Ortiz like, tag me in. Kingston's like, no, no, no. I want to... I Still kick some ass. Uh, so Ortiz jumps in with a leaping DDT on black, and it, uh, Kingston hits an exploder for a two count. Uh, there's literally chance for him to tag his partner, but Kingston runs Kingston runs right into a um, jumping knee by black, as does Ortiz, who came off the top. Um, Kingston hits black with a Saito suplex and a lariat, um, and King runs into the back fist to the floor. Um, in amongst all this, Buddy Matthews and Julia Hart come down, Matthew slides in with a chair, but immediately gets caught by Kingston. Buddy Matthews just goes, 
Take the chair, buddy. Slides back out, and Kingston grabs a chair, turns around. Julia Hart screams in horror. Ortiz like, you can't hit a woman with a chair, obviously. And this confusion has allowed the uh, opposing team to recover. Uh, Malachi Black goes to Black Mass Ortiz, but he ducks. Kingston takes the bullet. Ortiz gets knocked outside. Black pings Kingston. And post-match, oh, intriguing moments. More mind games from the House of Black. As uh, Malachi tells Ortiz, you did good. As he threw him back in there with his partner as they walked off. I don't know what I thought about this. <laughs> I, was, yeah, I was excited to see what you are going to say about this. And the fact that I was thinking about it too much is probably the big hint that I didn't really feel like I enjoyed it that much. Some of the action was great. You pointed mm-hmm. out the cannonball. As much as I hate living in your head rent-free, I did like the sit-down spot that Eddie Kingston ducked the black mass and sat down. They were trying to like say, no, no, I'm in full control mm-hmm. over you, actually. Call a landlord, but not for me. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. And even though it was a flying nothing, Ortiz jumped halfway across the ring and seamlessly put his head in what looked like Malachi Black's kneecap Oof. and then sort of bumped backwards a good foot. I was like, that's hell, that's incredibly impressive from Ortiz, who, as many people have pointed out, he's got in the best condition of his AEW run, while in parallel getting by far the worst creative and the most lack of profile that he's had, really, because he was quite a big deal. And people projected tag title wins on him and all the rest of it. Um, But that finish, if they... Here's me being consistent. If they watch the television... Right. If they, Ortiz and Santana said, look, I didn't. I'll prove it. Let's just watch it. Let's just watch it together. It's fairly obvious that Eddie Kingston had no intention of hitting Julia Hart with a chair. He just saw someone and kind of like, mm. and then he just went, as soon as he realized who it was, one, he kind of didn't like sort of aim and try and fire with a chair. He just stopped. And then Ortiz was like, what the hell are you doing? He's like, well, nothing. If this isn't, revealed that they watched it back and indeed they have a segment with Eddie Kingston and Ortiz and they're arguing about um, whether he was going to or not. That's bad. That's WWE adjacent stuff. And really this was just a bit, I don't know, I just think this is so beneath Eddie Kingston and not the kind of stories he should be telling with a guy like that. Mm. Yeah, it was. It was <clears throat> I love Eddie Kingston. He's a weird guy to have in this role in particular. Uh, especially, like I say, with all the mind games and them doing this bit afterwards where if Kingston just turns around and goes, what's that mean? What's that supposed to mean? Well, it's they're obviously just stirring. Yeah, the two I, of you. I don't want, yeah, exactly. And I don't want Eddie Kingston to be presented as either thick or someone who questions his own intelligence and his own sort of sense of reality. Look, I kind of understand why they've done this, right? In that they were telling the story that after the Sammy Guevara and the Chris Jericho stuff that Eddie Kingston was sort of doubting himself and he was in a bit of a bad headspace and he didn't know where he was going next, career crossroads. He is, that character is susceptible, in theory susceptible to the mind games of the House of Black. Would you ever in your life see John Moxley in his place sort of doubting, I don't know, would you see John Moxley question his own intelligence in the story yeah. or his sort of grip on things. 
would he have this potential plot hole where he's not really watching TV? No. John Moxley is the perfect political operator in wrestling because he never looks stupid, ever. Much like Steve Austin didn't. Never, ever look stupid. He would never fall afoul of this kind of storyline. And I hate the idea that Eddie Kingston is because I'm meant to, if all the fantasy book and prophecies get fulfilled, he's taking it off MGF, or at least they have to do a match. Mm -hmm. And I just think less of Kingston for participating in the storyline. I, I realize I'm just I'm getting angry about something that hasn't happened yet. But if he turns around and says, why were they saying good job to you? Yeah, because that's what you do when you've got a man on the inside. You before you reveal that they're on the money inside, you blatantly say in front of everyone, hey, good job. Yeah, yeah, You'd just text him, wouldn't you? Yeah. Or even just say, that thing you did when you were our man on the inside, I couldn't talk to you about it then because obviously that would have given yeah, you yeah, a game yeah, away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. It's just odd. I just think that Kingston is in danger of looking idiotic yeah. in this storyline, and that's just something you don't do with the baby face of his caliber and his wants credibility. Uh, speaking of odd, uh, Jay Cargill's backstage with Lexi Nair and Layla Gray's there, of course. So it's Jay Cargill and her baddie. Um, was this kicking the baddie? Red <laughs> was this kicking Red Velvet out of the group? Oh god! Because I, I got, I was like, fuck, I thought I, she I, was I, out. I did. I don't think you need to do this. There was no admin admin that needed to be done here. I didn't think. Hmm, well, you know, <laughs> with everything that's happened, uh, I think Red Velvet might be struggling for a place in the baddies. I thought, well, that's. When that all the stuff happened, that's that. But uh, yeah, she said, "I don't care about Red Velvet. I'm going to get my fiftieth win." And uh, yeah, uh, Layla Gray said, "Red Velvet, you're out, and I'm in." And I thought, "Well, you're not in. You were always in. You're already in. You're already in." And Red Velvet was already out. Needless this. Maybe they just thought, right? Okay, it's a bad look if we don't have our one of our champions on television across Dynamite and Rampage over a single week. Let's just reiterate old ground in a backstage segment so unnecessary but maybe they thought it was an obligation to get Jada uh, Jade Cargill on TV mm. um, I like the bit they came next Paul Walter Hauser the interview uh, Golden Globe winner of course uh, and he's got it there with him Renee Paquette's chatting to him and uh, yeah one best supporting actor congratulations and I really liked that he came across as absolutely genuine that he's just a pro wrestling fan you could see that uh, and he said he always bypassed Connecticut and goes straight to Jacksonville um, because you never know what's going to happen in AEW. And the moment he says that, Danhausen comes out uh, and says, you won an award, so did I. I was the top merch seller in AEW last year, but I wasn't even given a physical award. I'm just buy one with all that money you've got. Yes. Um, but he wants the Golden Globe, of course. Uh, but before Hauser, who... Intimated that maybe, probably not, but maybe, before he can do all that, uh, out comes Jeff Jarrett, Jay Lethal, Sanjay Dutton, Satnam Singh. Uh, Hauser audibly says, how many people are coming out here? What's going on? Uh, and he uh, shoots on Jarrett. This isn't Memphis. You look like a woman from Crunch Fitness. Mm. I didn't understand that reference. No, I didn't like it either. Uh, but I did like the bit where he said, you walk around with a guitar that I've literally never seen you play. That was quite amusing. Um, and all these guys with you, they look like they're dressed for a uh, high school, homeschool prom or whatever it was. Uh, so Lethal and Dutt attack Hauser. Satnam Singh makes sure Dan Hauser can't make the save. Uh, I think if I was a celebrity and they went, do you want to do something? I think getting a guitar shot from Jeff Jarrett would be right up there on my... I would rather... T I would take a guitar 
shot and a table bump, like, readily. Yeah, so that's what happened. He got a huge guitar shot. Um, Lethal gets the Golden Globe. He's going to clock Danhausen with it, but out comes Orange Cassidy and the best friends to make the save. So Jarrett and his boys leg it out of there. But uh, Jeff Jarrett's gang have stolen a Golden Globe? Apparently so. I hope this gets followed up on. The image was fantastic as well. Oh, it's like the it? acceptance speech look. Was it? It was lethal and dot, wasn't it? Yeah. Closing with it on the ramp. Looked incredible. <laughs> I want Jeff Jarrett to be. Uh, I love Jay Lethal and I, Satna, uh, uh, Sanjay Dutt. They were, you know, great stuff. Jeff Jarrett needs to be the one who goes around now claiming he's Golden Globe winner. Yes, he's the one, isn't he? He's the one to do this. But you know, it, it was we. I promise you, we did not read the spoilers. We never do, because realistically, Rampage isn't that exciting, even if you don't know what's going to happen. So just as a rule to make better content on the previews, we never read the spoilers, but I just knew Jay Lethal was going to be involved in this somehow. Mm -hmm. I absolutely knew it, and wouldn't you just know it, he's working Orange Cassidy on Dynamite this week. Yeah, stacked to Dynamite again. Looks pretty goddamn awesome. Look, I'm going to break my own rule and talk about something very briefly that we would ordinarily say for the Wednesday. Hangman Page sits down yeah, with Renee Paquette. Say. How inspired is that? That's gonna. That's such a good idea for a segment. It's going to be so awkward. It always finds things to be anxious about. Anxious about. Mm. That's me. <laughs> and that's why I relate to him. That's because anxiety is not just, oh, I'm anxious about this. No, it's, it's an internal thing that people have, and they... You know, well, at least me, I will I'll think of anything to be anxious about. The past two years, it was, am I going to get the coronavirus? Mm -hmm. Is the weather going to be horrible? Is the worst going to happen? Like, anxiety is not, it's a way that someone is wired. Mm -hmm. And I love how they are always finding ways to apply this to the Hangman Page character. Yeah. I, I saw that graphic and I thought, you son of a bitch. That's great. Um... Easy night for Mark Henry next. Didn't even have to host uh, back and forth. They had a nice video package hyping up this street fight. And then we went straight to... Well, looks like we've had enough talk. It's time for the main event. Should we uh, reveal what we've been cooking up in the office today? Yes, absolutely, we should. So we were talking about this because we were joking about that's not a bad night's work, is it? Not even having to go host a, an interview, just saying, well, looks like this is going to get violent. It's time for the main event. I think that's what he said. And we just, I just, we did a bit, a bit of quick maths because um, we know he's on six figures, don't we? I don't know for sure. But yeah. But it was reported that MGF was paid less than Mark Henry when he was shoot, 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 upset about his pay and how it wasn't commensurate with how he's performed and his ratings, pull and all the rest of it. One has to infer, even without that information, that you bring in a guy like Mark Henry and he's got to be on at least six figures. Mm. So we... It's just a bit of fun, this. We did some counting, didn't we? Yeah, so let's just say he's on 100 grand a year, right? And, and, and I realise... For the purposes of comedy here, we're just going to pretend like this is all he does yes. in AEW. So we thought we'd work it out how much he gets paid. A la uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Now, I don't know the answer to this, by the way. Yeah, a la Arnold Schwarzenegger in T2. 
how much he gets paid per word if that's all he actually did. He didn't, obviously. She would tell them how you arrived at how many words he says per week? Yes, yeah, you walked, worked through how you worked backwards here. So I think it's 27 <laughs> words per week, okay? Yeah. Because he says, well, looks like there's been enough talk. It's time for the main event, 13. Yeah. And then he also says something to each set of challenges, p- opponents before the match in the split screen. Something to the effect of, and we arrived at the most generic copy possible, kind <laughs> of amounts to about 14 words. So, Darby Allen, you got attacked. Darby Allen, you got attacked by Trent last week. Where's your headspace at? 14. 13, 14 words, yeah, exactly. So we're looking at 27, we think. He says 27 words, there, thereabouts, on Rampage every week. Uh, how much do you reckon per word? I'll tell you his weekly wage, according to this. If it's 100 grand. If it's 100 grand. Obviously and I think it's more. Obviously he does other stuff. I well. think it's more. Uh, $1,923. <laughs> what, a week? A week. So per word, that is for our basic... Basic package, basic, your basic Mark Henry package, $71.20 a word, basically. Well, <laughs> just play a sound effect, a cash machine noise. This week, though, with no introduction, I worked out, he's up to his, his rate, $113 per word here. <laughs> Christ almighty. Look. He said, I think... He's 17 a, words. This we're week. taking the mic. He is known in the industry as the spotter of talent. Yes. And but he'll be, it, you know, on hand for... But for a casual fan, they're like, didn't Big Show and Mark Henry sign for this promotion? Yeah. So apparently he's a spotter of talent, and surely he does. He imparts his knowledge yeah. as a veteran. He'll do other things, but if you're looking purely as an on-screen personality, remember, reminder rather... He was brought in as a Rampage commentator before they realized I was not very good at this, so let's just put him backstage for this one. He did interviews throughout the night. I'm sure he interviewed Christian Cage about his title win over Kenny Omega, having called that match because it was meant mm-hmm. his role's been reduced heavily to what it was envisaged to be originally, so he's making a lot of money. Um Never mind that, though. It was time for the street fight. Tay Mello and Anna Jay versus Ruby Soho and Willow Nightingale. Matching gear. I've got problems, but we'll go. We'll, we'll delve into those after the recap. Okay, uh, so uh, Mello and Jay um, are coming out and making their entrance, and the baby faces jump them from behind with, <laughs> with hockey sticks, uh, and it's just an all-out brawl from, uh, from there. Um, it looks like Willow Nightingale's going to immediately do something off the stage onto a table, but that allows them to, to fight back and get the advantage over Ruby Soho. Uh, and they fight down to the ring. Anna Jay slams Soho into the announce table, into the steps, puts a trash can over her head. Mello hits a double stomp onto her, and they take the trash can off. And I think, oh, that little cut, I see for, for Ruby Soho. <laughs> um, they all sit on the chairs and they do a forearm battle in picture in picture. And then you come back, and Ruby Soho is covered in blood. She has gone Eddie Guerrero at the Great American Bash, was it? I think so, yeah. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. 2004, you've, you've seen all, it. You've, well, we've all probably seen the images of Ruby Soho by now. 
Um, so Anna Jay sends Nightingale face first through a trash can and uh, puts that barbed wire back around her arm. She goes for the Queen Slayer on Nightingale. Um, but Nightingale carries her into the corner. Ruby Soho just punches her in the head with a chain wrapped around her fist. Um, Mello makes the save. Uh, the chairs get just hoyed into the ring. And then... <laughs> Not really a good partner thing to do this from Willow Nightingale. Tower of Doom spot. So, yes, you take out your two opponents, but also your partner has to each on a Tower of Doom onto some chairs. Yeah. Um, everyone's covered in blood, but it's all Ruby Soho's yes. at this point. Um, just glad some people were wearing white, to be honest, because that's the sadist in me coming out. Um, Nightingale sends Jane to the corner. Mello makes the save, gets hit with a big old spine buster. Uh and uh, Anna Jay gets hit with a can of corner cannonball uh, with a trash can. Always worries me when the trash can's already been used because I've seen how easily those edges get formed. Ah, uh, you've broke a bit any time, haven't you? Yeah. Um, Downstairs? Soho sets up a chair in the corner. Uh, Nightingale hits a de- Death Valley driver on Anna Jay in the, on the apron. Oh, my God. Hang on, I've got, I'm on the Henry page here. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, Soho hits a no future on Mello on the outside, sets up the table. Dreading getting to this pot. Nightingale and Anna Jay battle up to the ramp. Nightingale blocks a super kick, gets her up, power bombs her off the stage. It was meant to be through a table, but you've all probably seen the clip by now. Uh, Willow Nightingale goes through the table. Anna Jay just gets power bombed onto the floor on the outside we're a carpeted podcast studio right yeah um that how many feet tall how right. tall are you that's six three so it's probably what ten ten foot yeah can you imagine jumping off that roof back first onto that floor absolutely that's essentially not. what anna jay's I, did um, nah on a bad bad bump so it's it's that weird paradoxical thing in wrestling where hopefully she's okay and everyone's going to think highly of her after the fact. It's like a badge of honor sort of thing. But Christ, I would not want to do that. No. Awful, awful looking bump here. Um, match continues, though. Uh, Soho and Mello fight on the apron. Mello hits his pile driver off the apron through a table, gets her back in the ring, but isn't done there. Goes and gets a bag of thumbtacks, pours it all over the ring, goes to pile drive Soho for a second time into the tax. But Ruby Soho puts her own hand in the tax to stop this, grabs a handful, chucks them in Tay Mello's face, uh, sends her into the chair that had been wedged in the corner, and hits destination unknown into the tax for the one, two, three, and I've never seen two women look so different. Willow Nightingale took her licks in this match. But it was just the little fist bump afterwards of like Willow, who's like, oh, bloody hell, that hurt, to covered in yeah. blood, like Carrie esque Ruby Soho standing tall at the end of this match. There's a bad faith criticism that I'm just simply not going to talk about. Good. Done. There is one bad faith criticism, and sometimes it's in good faith as well, so I am going to tackle this one. Away from the gender of the person who was bleeding, a lot of people made the point of, oh, there's too much blood in AEW and it couldn't possibly register. That's no longer true. I think that's complete bollocks at this point. Yes, John Moxley became a meme, in effect, over the summer of 2022 because he did bleed in every single match. Yeah. And he kind of worked every single match as well as champion. 
Um, on Wednesday nights, the blood has really dropped off. You rarely see it mm. anymore. Um, I think the later time slot must... I'm inferring all of this. I think the later time slot on Dynamite makes it easier for them to get away with because I remember Moxley's blade job against Takeshita was something fierce. It wasn't too long ago, hence why we've got Soho doing it. But on Wednesdays, it used to be Bloodbath City on a Wednesday night. I'm fairly certain they've been told, calm down, don't do it as much as you're doing it. Don't swear as much, yeah, don't bleed as much. It definitely feels like a market departure because in 2021, it was just, it was class, blood everywhere, every single week, sometimes in multiple matches and the swearing was out of control. It definitely feels calmer. It genuinely does and I don't know if that's an internal thing where they said we've done this to excess let's calm down so that it means something or whether Warner have just said calm down mm. we don't want this much of it on our station um, so I don't think the take of oh well, they bleed every week so it wasn't impactful I don't think that's the case no. anymore so I think that's a superficial out of date certainly take at least one more thing on the blood before I get to the match the perfect play job because Yes, she looked like Eddie Guerrero at, during the match against JBL, but thankfully, she's got that incredible CM Punk-like gift where, yes, it looks horrific all over the face. She's covered in blood. It stays there. It doesn't really dry out, but it's not everywhere in the ring. No. And it's not pouring out of her to the point where she feels like she can barely stand mm -hmm. up and she doesn't have the strength to continue on, where you're really, really scared. It's the good kind of scared. Like CM Punk's always bladed like this as well. Like it goes places, obviously, because it stains, but it's not like they're a bucket of blood and they're wobbling about. Like and it's just hit something in their head and it's just squirting yeah, out. Yeah, it's not like that. So, uh, yeah, she's got that gift of blade. And like, CM Punk's the best blader of all time for that. Mm. Um, so it was kind of a CM Punk tier blade job, and you can't really control it, but it looked fantastic. This took a while to get going for me, and I'd truthfully read about... You couldn't escape this match if you were on wrestling Twitter over the weekend. So it became this legendary, infamous thing before I actually sat down to watch it. And for me, I was like, oh, this is so overstated. I knew the, I knew the controversy would be completely overstated, and who cares um, about blood, for God's sake? Is this your first wrestling match? Is this your first wrestling show? But completely overshadowed the content of the match, which I thought they... I would describe the success of this match, which was really committed, really good. It will live on. It was a nice payoff to a long, long story with Soho and Conti. It's about time we got more representation. A grudge match, women in the main event. That should not go overstated. No, we, no, no. We campaign for this thing all the time. But I really thought that it's just as well in a weird, warped way, that this was talked about so heavily online. Because it will live long in the memory as a result, and hopefully will be the launching point for Ruby Soho to have a much better run than she mm. had in 2021. Because I just thought this took ages to really get going. And the last three minutes were superb, electrifying, mm. really committed, really dangerous. But I just thought that certainly before the commercial break, it felt too cute for me. I hated that, right, so this person's broke your face, this person almost broke your neck, which is far worse than breaking your face, and she's beaten you down and screwed you when you've had the singles match, this is your chance for revenge, something you've been stewing on for three months as a character, the first thing you do is wear camouflage like 
the Dudley boys and scream in a very cringeworthy way, get the tables. Don't. You should be you should be braying us so hard in the face with all your baby face fire during that shine that that's all you're consumed by this. Yeah. To do a cutesy Dudley boys reference within 10 seconds just made me feel, oh, this is fake, and I don't believe your motive, motivation as mm. a character. I didn't like the spot where they'd set up the chairs facing each other with the idea that, all right, we're going to get powerbomb through it. And then they just sat down and started trading the slaps. I thought, you're just looking for some visual... You're looking for some um, iconic like visuals here. You're not working this genuinely hate-filled, bloody grudge match. Mm. Just thought it was too cute by half for the first half, and then it got really good by the end. Um, truthfully, I thought the one at New Year's smash was kind of a lot better than this, but I can't begrudge how hard they worked and everything they did, it was fine for them to do. You're an idiot if you think otherwise. <laughs> yes. And the last three minutes didn't just get there in the end. It got pretty great by the end, yeah. but I, I really was in a mood for the first three minutes of this. Yeah, I, I struggled to get into it, but I think that was probably more because the only thing I'd seen of this, aside from, like, say, weirdos on Twitter saying, oh, women bleeding, yep. uh, was the Anna J spot. And so I was sort of waiting for that to happen. I couldn't yeah. really get into it. you wanted it. to see what she, if she walked afterwards and exactly. stuff like that. I yeah. didn't know where it came in the match, whether the match even continued, because I didn't know the result or anything like that. Um, but yeah, then the the last couple of minutes, like you say, with with uh, Tay Mello and uh, Ruby Soho was was a load of fun, and I couldn't call the finish. There was a bit where I was like, anytime Thumbtacks get involved, I'm like, oh god, because all I can think of is what if it goes in your eye? I know, I know. When Foley took that bump back at Royal Rumble 2000, I'm still scared to watch it now, even though it's 23 years later, and he's got both of his eyes. I'll tell you one thing as well before we wrap up. Um, you know, we always say, oh, it's nice to have a live Rampage and Battle of the Belts. It's sure a sobering reminder of what a tape show looks like when you've just had the contrast yes. the week prior because Eddie Kingston's in there, Darby Allen's in there. There's, there's loads of weapons and table spots in that, that weird, taped, exhausted hum of a Rampage <laughs> yes. crowd. It's unmistakable, and it just, oh, I can't get around it. No. Basically, I need extremely loud wrestling crowds because why wouldn't you, yeah, exactly. WWE fans? <laughs> right, well, let us know your thoughts on AW Rampage on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Watch there, you can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at... M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. As I said, make sure you subscribe to WhatCulture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts. Uh, you can check out me and Sid reviewing SmackDown from earlier on today, and me and Sid will be back a little bit later on to preview Monday Night Raw. But for now, this has been the Rampage Review. My thanks to Michael Sidgwick. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.